Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hi, everyone. This is Miriam here. I know it's a long time no talk, and that's because I had a baby a couple months ago. This episode is going to be a little bit unorthodox and not what we usually do, but it's essentially going to be just me talking today, um, sort of like a blog or a vlog, but in podcast form. Um, and the reason for that is, is that we really wanted to do a pregnancy episode or a couple pregnancy episodes um, now that I've you know, safely had my baby and I wanted to be able to talk to you guys all about pregnancy and preparation and postpartum and all of those things that come with you know anyone who's having a baby. But I also wanted to talk about how that gets sometimes more complicated when you have type 1 diabetes with it. Um, so I actually recorded, <laughs> Emily, Christy, and I recorded an episode talking about pregnancy and realized very quickly like oh my gosh I have so much to say and we're getting scattered and kind of all over the place and it was really important for me to make sure that we do these episodes right you know I I wanted it to be clear and um, in the right order you know I want to talk about preparation for pregnancy then first second third trimester with you guys and I want to do this well and I want to do it the right way because those are episodes that would have been very special to me you know or important to me or valuable to me when I was starting to think about getting pregnant um so we sort of scratched the episode we recorded and decided to do it this way in a couple parts so this episode is going to be me really talking about preparation and for pregnancy but also understanding expectations of pregnancy because I think you know a lot of you might be thinking oh I've never even really thought about you know type 1 diabetes with pregnancy so that's what this episode is for like kind of what to expect during the pregnancy and also kind of what to expect from providers and you might hear a lot of scary things you might hear terms like high risk Um, and so I hope this episode can also serve to put things into perspective um, and dial down some of that anxiety. Now the reason this episode is just me and I won't be joined with my pals Emily and Christy today is because as previously mentioned I have a newborn and so it's very challenging to find a good chunk of time um, where I can have some quiet and I think for scheduling purposes we felt like let's get this one out of the way just me and then I'm going to circle back with Emily and Christy and we'll kind of talk about my pregnancy specifically you know how first semester first trimester um second third all went and how postpartum has been going that will have more of a conversation but this episode like I said is all about what to expect and how to prepare for pregnancy and for our usual disclaimer I'm not a medical professional right I am not a doctor I'm not a nurse and I think that's important to to remember during this episode I always find that when something's going on I like hearing from a peer about their experiences that kind of gives me a new perspective and so when you're listening to this episode and learning um, anything you might learn about preparation or what to expect during pregnancy take that as coming from a peer 
right? And so I hope this episode serves not as, you know, pure blind facts that you should kind of run with, but I hope it serves as a jumping off point um, and helps you think of questions or helps you think of things that you want to then ask or talk about with your medical professionals. Um, So again, I'm just your peer here talking about my experiences and, and what I learned in terms of preparation. And so I hope this can prove to be helpful for you in, in that way. So pregnancy with type 1 diabetes, you know, what to expect. Um, I think one of the things you'll hear when you're talking to your OB or um, your endo is that this pregnancy will be considered high risk, right? And so that term high risk can sound very intimidating to, to say the least. But what does that really mean to be a high risk pregnancy? And I think for me, I I sort of preferred to think of it as higher risk, meaning your pregnancy is at higher risk than than a person without diabetes. Um, You're at higher risk for some complications during the pregnancy. And so I want to stress that just having a risk does not mean these things will happen. And I, I wish I could shout that from the rooftop over and over and over again. It just means you have a slightly higher risk than someone without diabetes or without a pre-existing health condition um, to have things get more complicated during the pregnancy. And so what that means is that you'll likely see, you know, an OB. You might also see a specialist called an MFM, which stands for Maternal Fetal Medicine Doctor. And what that is, it's a highly specialized OBGYN who specifically works with high-risk pregnancies. And so that means it's pregnancies where the, the mother is, you know, has health conditions that make it more complicated or the fetus might be having some health issues that can make the pregnancy more complicated. So this is a really super smart OBGYN. Um, And so it kind of depends on your hospital setup. Some hospitals will say, oh, you'll see your regular OB throughout your pregnancy, but then you'll also see an MFM, you know, periodically throughout the pregnancy. Or you can see your MFM for the entire pregnancy. They will be your primary OB. So it's one doctor you're seeing. I, you know, with my hospital, I was actually given the option. I could stay with my OB and just check in with the MFMs or I could see the MFM the whole time. And I chose to see the MFM the whole time just because I thought it would be easier, honestly, to have one provider um, get used to one doctor and, and, you know, that doctor's partners within the practice rather than kind of jumping back and forth um, from different doctors. So that was my choice. Um, some hospitals might give you a choice. Some will kind of say, you know, this is the only option, so you have to do this. Um, but I think that's something to be aware of because I didn't even know there was a, you know, a special, highly highly specialized OB before, before I started this whole process. But now you might be wondering, high risk for what and how and why? And the most common, you know, risk factors that they're looking for in, you know, a a diabetic pregnancy. And bear in mind, when I say diabetic pregnancy, these are kind of the risks for any sort of diabetic pregnancy, whether you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes going into pregnancy or um, even gestational diabetes, which is a form of diabetes that some women get only when they're pregnant, um, kind of later on in the pregnancy. And... Specifically, I think more so for type 1 and type 2 diabetes, you know, what they call pre-existing diabetes in the in the pregnancy world, or at the beginning of the pregnancy, they're concerned about any congenital defects, which means they're, as the fetus is developing, um, things can go wrong. And again, things can go wrong for 
any pregnancy. Not not to make it sound scary, but that's the reality. So with diabetic pregnancies, sometimes there is a slightly elevated risk for things to go wrong in the development. This can be the way the organs are developing, the way the heart's developing, the brain's developing, etc. I want to stress again, this is these risks are relatively extremely low. They just happen to be a little bit higher for diabetics than they are for non-diabetic um, pregnancies. And so that's something they're checking on at the beginning as potential gen- congenital defects. Um, later on in the pregnancy, there's a couple things they're worried about. One of them is preeclampsia. That's kind of, and again, I'm not a doctor, so <laughs> bear in mind when I'm explaining these things, but that's when your your blood pressure gets dangerously high, um, and that can happen near the end of pregnancy, and it tends to happen more commonly in, in diabetic pregnancies, not all of them, but sometimes. Another one is um, fetal growth, you know, large, large gestational weight, which means the fetus, as you're getting towards the end of the pregnancy, might be very large and, and kind of in layman's term, this is because you're, there's more glucose kind of flowing to the, to the fetus in a diabetic pregnancy than there is in a non-diabetic pregnancy. Because even though we might be tightly controlled and, you know, using insulin, there, there might just be more glucose floating around. And so the fetus can sometimes get, or the baby can get big sometimes. And besides just having a big baby when they're born, it can also make birthing more complicated. It can cause health issues for the baby. So they always want to kind of monitor how the fetus is growing while you're pregnant. So with these risks, you know, that I've mentioned, you might be wondering, so what do I do with this this information? What do, what do they do to check those things? And the point of seeing a specialist and, and being, you know, in touch with your providers is that they do as much as they can to prevent these risks from happening. So one of those things is, you know, in terms of development of the baby, you're obviously going to want to take a prenatal vitamin, which is true of any pregnant person, but your doctor might suggest taking extra folic acid. So folic acid is a vitamin that's in your prenatal vi- prenatal vitamin, um, but it helps prevent neural tube defects in your, in your baby. And so they suggest diabetics sometimes to just take extra, you know. So I had an extra supplement of extra folic acid I took in addition to my prenatal vitamin. And that was easy enough. I started taking that before I was pregnant. Another thing is with that preeclampsia I mentioned, the, the high blood pressure, a lot of times your doctor might suggest taking a baby aspirin, which is a very low dose aspirin once a day, starting around, you know, sometime between 12 and 16 weeks pregnant. And that's a preventative thing to try to prevent or delay preeclampsia from occurring in your, in your pregnancy. Another thing they'll do is just a lot of extra scans. So, you know, there's a lot of ultrasounds you'll do during your pregnancy just for normal pregnancy. But for me, I also had an extra one around like 22 weeks pregnant. They did a fetal echocardiogram, which is a very, very detailed ultrasound of the baby's heart when you're about like 22 weeks pregnant, I think is when I did that. Um, and again, this all of this is just to be safe, just to kind of check to see how baby's developing. You'll also, near the end of your pregnancy, so for me it started at 32 weeks pregnant, you're going to get a lot of extra scans. They were doing things called um, a fetal growth scan, which is exactly what it sounds like. They're literally measuring the fetus just to kind of see the size and make sure it's not getting too big. Um, 
and they'll do something called non-stress tests, which is when they're monitoring the baby's heart rate over a period of time. They want to see that baby's heart rate is going well, that the baby's moving and kicking and kind of whatever is going on. And so that actually, starting at 32 weeks, I was going in twice a week. So I had a, a non-stress test uh, twice a week and then the fetal growth scan once a week. Um, and so I personally liked it. I liked kind of seeing my baby all the time and seeing the movement and getting reassured by those things. But I do, you know, have to put out a warning. It is a lot of doctor's appointments because in addition, you know, those start at 32 weeks. So in your third trimester, but throughout the pregnancy, you're seeing, um, the OB or MFM or however, you know, however your practice is set up, you're going to be seeing them starting once a month and then it'll go to twice a month and then it'll go to every week. Um, you'll be seeing your endocrinologist at some point, again, depending on how, how they work with your doctor. Um, but I personally, you know, saw or spoke with my endocrinologist every two weeks throughout my pregnancy. And we, we did that via via video calls. So that was easier. Um, and you might also want, need to see other specialists. So, Doctors will often make sure you go to the dentist during your pregnancy, make sure you go to your eye doctor during your pregnancy because even non-diabetes specifically, during pregnancy, a lot of things happen to your body. You know, your gums get really sensitive, your eyes and your vision can change a little bit. Um, so again, any pregnant person, you know, they usually suggest that you you go to these appointments, but diabetes specifically because for your eyes, if you have any pre-existing retinopathy or retina issues sometimes it can get a little bit worse during pregnancy and then often gets better again once once you're not long, no no longer pregnant now a word from one of our sponsors hey christy have you heard of us med supply i think i've seen a commercial for it it's a medical supply company right yeah but apparently they're the number one distributor for freestyle libre systems nationwide the number one specialty distributor for omnipod dash and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website. And now back to the episode. Um, but they want you to kind of do all these appointments just to make sure everything's going okay. You know, you don't want to like push something aside and, and have something go wrong. Um, so if, if you haven't gathered already, it is a lot of doctor's appointments. My MFM's office, and again, that's the Maternal Fetal Medicine High-Risk Pregnancy Office, they also required that anyone with pre-existing diabetes, so either type 1 or type 2, they required that we also met with their dietitians. Um, and all of their dietitians on staff are certified diabetes educators. So we actually had to, I think at the beginning I met with them usually via telehealth. I met with them once a month, the first couple months of pregnancy. But I had to send my pump data and my and my CGM data. I had to send them that data once a week um, through the online you know portal so they could look at my CGM, look at my blood sugars, and make any suggested basal rate changes or, or um, carb ratio changes. And so 
that was a lot, you know, it was a lot of opinions. Um, I had the suggestions from the CDEs, you know, the dietitians, my MFM would make diabetes comments. I had my endocrinologist. And so I think, you know, to kind of go back to preparing for pregnancy, I think one of the biggest things I did, and my endocrinologist actually suggested this to me, he said, sometimes just smile and nod when they give you suggestions. You know, I think being type 1 diabetics, we've been taking care of ourselves for a long time and we kind of know how our bodies work. And so sometimes it can, at least for me, I felt a bit defensive when the CDEs would make suggestions that I just knew were not going to make sense or were not really going to work. Um, and so there was times I smiled and nod and said, okay, and I would make the changes myself when I, or I'd talk to my endocrinologist who I trusted. Or sometimes I would push back and explain to them why, you know, maybe the suggestion doesn't make sense based on my history. And every time I pushed back, the CDEs were very respectful and understanding. Um, but I think that's a big part of preparation is just you're going to have to advocate for yourself a lot and you're going to have to pick your battles because it is a long journey. It's like a marathon. And so I kind of chose <laughs> when am I in the mood to, f- to fight this and explain and when do I just need to kind of nod and then just go about my day. Um, so that that was the hard part mentally for me, I think. Now, you might be wondering, why are they checking your data so often and why are they making changes so often? And that's the, the big kicker I think I haven't mentioned yet is that how do we prevent these risks that I mentioned? Um, and the most important way to prevent any possible risks is really tight glucose control. And that's really the, the crux of a type 1 diabetic pregnancy is, is that the, the range that they want your blood sugars in for pregnancy are going to be tighter than you've ever experienced and tighter than you think you can do, but I promise you can. Um, but for me, my doctor's office wanted my blood sugars between 65 and 120, 80% of the time. Um, I know other... Other diabetics whose doctors have said 65 to 140, which I think is actually the official, you know, recommendation from, you know, the the diabetes experts. Um, My doctor's office just happened to have slightly tighter parameters, which I, I just took as an added challenge. But I know those numbers can seem really intimidating. Um, I was unbelievably intimidated by that and thought it would be nearly impossible for me to do that. It's not, you know, and and I share that to say, you know, it's not impossible. It is a lot of hard work and it's going to require more diligence and more attention and more work than it does in your normal diabetic life without question. You know, those numbers are insane when you think about it, Um, but I promise it's possible. And again, they, most doctors, if it's a good doctor, they hopefully understand the intricacies of type 1 diabetes and they know it's hard. Um, but they set these parameters because you need something to work towards. And the reason they want these glucose levels so tightly controlled and in that range is because we're trying to keep your blood sugars within the non-diabetic range, right? If you didn't have diabetes, that's kind of where your blood sugar would float around for most of the day. Um, and so we are trying to keep our bodies kind of pretending we don't have diabetes um but it requires a lot more work on our part to keep to keep our levels in that range 
so you know when I when I talk with Emily and Christy in later episodes we'll talk a little bit more about how did I do that is it possible how did I prepare for that um but for now I just kind of want to put that out there that is the range they like to have and you can do it now to further complicate these very tight blood sugars we need to to maintain You'll also notice that your blood sugars and your insulin sensitivity and insulin resistant go all over the place during pregnancy. And so that is also a very bizarre, bizarre part of this process. Um, Everyone's experience differs slightly. So some people might experience it more severely than others. But generally speaking, what happens is near the end of your first trimester, you're, you actually become very insulin sensitive, which means you'll be using less insulin than you normally do at the, you know, kind of near the end of the first trimester. So I would say between weeks like 10 and 16 for me, that's when I was the most insulin sensitive. And the reason for this is actually kind of cool. It's because your body, um, when you're pregnant, your immune system sort of is dies down a little bit because it's you know it, it's not trying to fight this new thing growing inside of you so your immune system is weaker when you're pregnant and so what happens is our immune system is no longer killing all those insulin producing cells in our pancreas so you're producing very small amount amounts of insulin which means you don't need to use as much granted it doesn't work that effectively we still need insulin unfortunately but you're definitely using less near those beginning stages of pregnancy. And so that was a nice little reprieve, um, being able to eat a little bit carbier things and not take that much insulin was, was a very kind of a fun experience in some sense. But unfortunately, it doesn't last very long because as you go along in your pregnancy, um, you know, the, your insulin resistance starts going up pretty gradually. And it, but it does, it does go up. Um, so I noticed around 20 weeks, I was, you know, back to my pre-pregnancy basal rates and everything like that. But as you keep going along further, you know, by 24 weeks, you're in, you get very insulin resistant. Um, and so by the end of pregnancy, I was using three times the amount of insulin I was pre-pregnancy. And so bolusing for a salad, bolusing for a piece of toast you're using a lot of insulin that can be, at least for me, that mentally was really hard. Kind of seeing like, oh my gosh, I am injecting 10 units for this thing that I used to only need two units for. And so mentally, that's like a, a thing you have to get used to because it can feel very scary because I was convinced I was going to go low all the time. And it's just sort of realizing, oh no, this is just what my body needs now. And so that's really new. And so again, that resistant kind of resistance goes up gradually throughout the pregnancy. And then once you get to, towards the end, around 36 weeks or so, it starts to plateau. So it'll you'll still be very resistant, but it's going to stay a little bit more constant. You're not going to have to constantly, constantly be incre- increasing your insulin needs every week um, like you had been previously. And then interestingly, as soon as you give birth and as soon as the baby is born and the placenta is is removed, your insulin needs plummet back down to pre-pregnancy state, even a little bit lower than pre-pregnancy state. So it's kind of insane how rapidly it goes back, but it does go back. Um, I remember towards the end of my pregnancy, I was like, 
this is so much insulin. It's it's just so hard to fathom compared to what you're used to using. But you will very quickly go back to how you were pre-pregnancy. And so because there's all these changes happening, that is, you know, that's why your doctor will have you either meet with dietitians or CDEs or will be checking in with you frequently is because this is a lot. And even though we are experts at being type 1 diabetics, we're not experts at being type 1 diabetics with pregnancy. And so we do need a little bit more extra assistance. And so even though with the dietitians and the CDEs I met with, sometimes it was frustrating um, having to send them my data every week and get their opinions. But ultimately, it was nice having another set of eyes checking over things because I could tweak my basal rates myself, but having someone else look at them either for reassurance that I was doing the right thing or sometimes I did notice things that I didn't notice, that was very helpful. And my endocrinologist was incredibly helpful for this as well and was able to help um, help me with expectations of sort of, you know, oh, you know, in the next couple of weeks, this might start happening or we might have to change this in, in a month or so. And so I knew it was coming. So it made it a little less jarring for me. Another thing that tends to happen towards the end of pregnancy, um, especially for, for diabetic pregnancies, is your doctor might decide to induce you early, meaning they might in, to induce labor so your baby can be born a little bit early than the the end date of, you know, 40 weeks. Um, my doctor's office sort of had a protocol, like all diabetic pregnancies, they they like to induce between 37 and 39 weeks pregnant. Um, my baby was born when I was 38 and a half weeks pregnant. So right there in the middle of that range. Um, I viewed this as like a saving grace because at the end, you're kind of tired of being pregnant. So it felt like a reward in some sense for working so hard all throughout pregnancy. Um, but the medical reason they do this is I think a lot of those things I mentioned, like um, large fetal weight or fetal growth, preeclampsia, a lot of these things the risk increases the farther you go along. And so I think they like to induce you so baby can get out safely and you can stay safe before um, any risks increase. But again, this is something that will vary kind of depending on your doctor and, and your hospital that you're going to. And so that's something you could definitely ask about is sort of what are their induction protocols? What, are, what do they do with diabetic pregnancies in that sense? So that leads me into preparation. Now that I sort of reviewed what will happen during pregnancy and what appointments you're going to have, what can you do to prepare for this? And bear in mind, obviously, not every pregnancy is planned and sometimes there are surprises, but I think the best way to prepare for type 1 diabetic pregnancy is to be prepared, right? I think it's easier if you're not surprised by it. Um, and if you're kind of planning, so you're in the best space mentally and physically before you get pregnant. So doctors will often say that they would like your A1C to be 6.5 or below before you get pregnant. And again, that is to help prevent any potential, um, birth defects that as the baby's developing those first couple weeks of pregnancy, um, so they want your A1C to be as low as possible, again, just to kind of make you level with with non-diabetic pregnant women, right? If your A1C is like at a non-diabetic level, then your risk is not elevated. And so that's really the goal they're working towards, to start off that pregnancy at a in a good place. So to prepare for this, you know, I think it's 
really good to be talking to your doctors early, talking to your endocrinologist, talking with your OBGYN, saying, I'm thinking about getting pregnant. How can I get myself ready for that? You can ask your OB if they can um, make a referral to an MFM for a consultation. Sometimes they'll do this. Um, it kind of depends on the doctor and the practice and whatever, but I found that really helpful. I actually consulted with an MFM way before I was pregnant, again, just to get a sense of expectations, um, what pregnancy would be like. And they are actually the ones that told me about um, to take a little folic acid. So they prescribed me a little folic acid supplement um, before I was pregnant so I could start taking that ahead of time, um, which is another thing you want you want to prepare for, right, is to start your prenatal vitamins, make sure you're taking folic acid before pregnancy starts. So your endocrinologist might want to help with you getting your A1C in a really good spot. I think it's important to really work on um, your, either your basal rates or your long-acting insulin to make sure all of your rates, your carb ratios, all of those things are in a good place where you feel confident with them um, because that'll be helpful when your insulin needs during pregnancy start changing. You'll notice it more quickly, right? If you know, oh, my basal rate is perfect because it's been it's been really working for me the last couple months and then all of a sudden you notice you're going high or you're going too low, then it's like, okay, this is pregnancy related and I kind of know where to start. You'll be more alert for, for those changes. Another thing that was help, helpful for me in this sense was having like a meal or a snack that I really felt confident um, I could bolus for really well. Like for example, for breakfast, I'm super boring. I always have a slice of Ezekiel bread toast with peanut butter on it and like, you know, sometimes I'll throw some berries on it or something like that. But I am super confident on how to bolus for that. And so that is helpful because, again, once you're pregnant and you're eating that same breakfast or that same snack you always have, and all of a sudden your blood sugar is reacting differently, you'll know, okay, I know this is now a carb ratio change that's happening because I know in the past I've been able to bolus for this meal perfectly. Um, so that's what I would suggest, having something that you really practice eating, um, again, to help you notice changes when they occur. And on that note of, you know, basal rates and carb ratios and all of those fun things, as you know, as I mentioned earlier, is the, the CGM um, range or the time in range that you're going to want to achieve in pregnancy is pretty tight, you know, 65 to 120 or 65 to 140. And so something I did before pregnancy to help myself mentally get into that mindset of, you know, these tight parameters is I adjusted the range on my CGM. I adjusted my alarms, I should say, of, you know, my high alarms, my low alarms, so that I could get used to seeing, one, so I could get used to hearing alarms all the time, but two, so I could get used to seeing um, that tight range that I'd need. And so it kind of made it less of a severe shift once I was pregnant, having to like shift to this really tight parameters. I was getting myself in the mindset of doing that already. Um, so I think I lowered my alarms I think to like, I want to say my high alarm was at 130 and I think my low alarm was at 70. Um, just, and what that does actually is it helps you correct more quickly. You know, if I saw that I was 125 with an up arrow or 135 with an up arrow or an angled up arrow, arrow I would, you know, pre-pregnancy, I might say, okay, I'm going to wait it out, see what it happens. Maybe it'll level out at some point. During pregnancy, I would look at that and say, okay, 
I'm gonna keep a closer eye on this. How much insulin do I have on board? Maybe I should add a little bit extra insulin now. Um, and it just kind of puts you more of in a mindset of acting more quickly, um, which is something you'll, you'll do in pregnancy versus pre-pregnancy. And on that note, um, if you don't have a CGM or you're not using a CGM, that is likely something that your doctors will highly recommend during pregnancy. Um, and I think it's become sort of the new standard of care to, to do that because they're noticing that preg- type 1 diabetics in pregnancy are healthier and doing better when there's that CGM data. Um, and it just, again, helps you be more aware of what your blood sugar is doing so you can respond and treat more quickly. So if you're not currently using a CGM, that might be something you want to explore and talking to your insurance providers about, talking to your doctors about to see if that's an option for you during pregnancy because I think it will, you will find that it's, it's very, very helpful. So everyone, I could continue blabbering on for hours probably about pregnancy, um, but we have to end this at some point and I know I'm going to continue this conversation more with Emily and Christy and we can talk a little bit about you know, my personal experiences of, of how I navigated things in my pregnancy, but I really hope that this was a good overview of just what to expect in a diabetic pregnancy and what you can do to prepare ahead of time. And you probably hear (laughs) baby Max coughing and cooing in the background right now. Um, But we'll talk more in the future about pregnancy, about postpartum. um, And I'm really looking forward to getting to hear your questions too. You know, after this episode, if you have any questions, you know the drill. You can DM us on the Instagram account. You can um, find our Facebook page. And my final tip um, before I officially sign off is to get a book. If you're you know, really thinking about getting pregnant soon, a book that I think will be super helpful. It is called, this is literally the title, Pregnancy with Type 1 Diabetes. It's by Ginger Vieira and Jennifer C. Smith. And you can just Google this, like search Pregnancy with Type 1 Diabetes book um, and, and buy it. I think it was the absolute best uh, preparation and best purchase I made in my pregnancy. Um, because it really goes, it's a month to month guide and it's written by two type one diabetics who have had successful pregnancies. Um, and it's really the only book of its kind that I ever found that was specifically written to us, not, you know, diabetics in general, but specifically to type one diabetics. Um, it's a purple cover. You can't miss it. And I think that'll be really helpful. And a lot of the info I was spewing to all of you, I got from that book. Um, So again, it's really been nice to talk to you guys. I miss co-hosting the podcast, but I hope this was a helpful introduction to pregnancy and I look forward to talking to you more soon. Bye everyone. Today's episode was brought to you by US Med Supply. Thanks for listening. Hey Christy, have you heard of US Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for it. It's a medical supply company, right? Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website.